Thanks, Bo. Morning, everyone. It's good to be back at the hotel here, keeping us on our toes this summer, moving all over the place. And uh, we'll mostly be here for the rest of the summer, believing God to do great things in this space on Sunday mornings, um, except for in a couple weeks where we're doing the, the church at the park. And also, it's going to be a cookout, too. So that's going to be awesome. But we're continuing on our summer theme, looking at some of the parables of Jesus. And parables are simple stories from the natural world or the real world with a profound truth that is usually hidden. You kind of got to dig for it to see what, what God's speaking to us in these stories. Today we're going to be looking at actually a, a few, a, a handful, or a couple different parables about seeds and um, also what Jesus says about, about seeds. Seeds are a, it's, it's a, powerful, a powerful thing, right? It's, we're coming to the end of spring, officially, beginning of summer, and I've got two huge maple trees in my backyard, and every spring they get the, the helicopter seed pods. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And just this last year it was just really loaded, but every year it's loaded with these seed pods. And it's kind of fun. Our kids like watch, I've always liked watching them fall down. But I know, man, seeds, that's, they're going to fill my gutters. <laughs> and also, there are going to be hundreds of little saplings all over my yard for the next couple months. And it's crazy the power of a seed. I have literally, um, every day now, between my house and our ministry house, there's at least a couple different little weeds or little trees that I'm pulling. Just like, oh, there's tin there in that little flower bed. And we'd miss those, and so we'd pull those. And it's just like this, this tiny little seed, but in that is, the, is, is life. In there is the potential to create something so much more. I was on a walk with my daughter Angie a couple nights ago through our neighborhood, and we were kind of just, we went down a different street than we usually go down, and we were noticing different trees. And we're kind of, oh yeah, that's an oak. That's, what's that? Oh, that's a ginkgo. I actually had to ask the owner of the house what that was. But we thought, like, some just beautiful, massive trees. There were a ton of oak trees on the street. And to think that every one of those trees started with a seed. And so a seed has great potential. But the potential doesn't get realized automatically, right? Like, there are plenty of seeds that, like, someone pulls that, that tree up and it doesn't happen. Or they found, like, seeds in the, the Pharaoh's tombs that are thousands of years old, and they were in a jar for thousands of years. And because of how they were, where they were at, they were, it's cool, but they, they never sprouted, they never grew into what they could become because of that. Some of those they've actually taken thousands of years later and planted them, and they still worked. Like, think about that. There's, there's this ancient hundreds, thousands of year old seed, and it still has the potential to do something if it's invested in the right way. So Jesus talked a lot about seeds. And I want to encourage us that as we, as we look at these to, the, to see that it's not, some of us if it's familiar, like, okay, I've heard some of this before, but there's real power in seeing how the kingdom of God, the word of God, God's truths are, they come to us in seed form. And um, what we do with it matters. I'm actually, I don't usually do this, but I'm pretty much stealing this message from one that I ran across recently. It's, some of us are familiar with um, the ministry of Discipling Nations Alliance and uh, Coram Deo. It's now called, and there's a worldview school, and we've, we've used some of their resources. Um, but one of the, the founders of Coram Deo, Bob Moffitt, he, he developed this, this message about seed projects. 
and looking at what Jesus teaches about seeds and how we can implement that, how he designs us, how God intends us to take that into the world and, and see something dynamic happen. And um, Bob Moffat tells, told the story that in, in Kampala, Uganda, so some of you have been to Uganda, it's kind of cool, Kampala is the capital city, and like a lot of places, the police there are notorious for their corruption. There's just kind of like it's known that, yeah, we got police, but, you know, corruption is rampant. Bribery is just kind of how things get done around here. If you really want protection, you got to pay somebody. And it's, it's not, you know, there's this huge problem of corruption. And there was this little church in Uganda. And there were a couple people in the church that just were burdened by this issue in their community. And they, they said, you know, it shouldn't be this way. That's not how God intended it to be. The police, we need police, but it's corruption, bribery, it's messing things up. But, you know, they kind of came to the realization that it wasn't just something for them to complain about, but that God would want them to make a difference. And these seven ladies in this church got together, and they organized a police force appreciation day. Not what you would expect to do with the corrupt police, right? But they just like, you know what? We're going to throw a day to honor and appreciate the police. The Bible says to respect and honor your leaders, and that's not always good leaders. So we're, we're going to do something to, to sow a positive seed to make a difference. And they organized this whole day. Uh, there was food. There, were, there was music. There were a couple talks about just the importance of, of a good police force in the community and the importance of, of justice in the community and what God's word had to say about that. And people came, and these seven ladies pulled off this day. And the police came, and they were, they were so touched by what happened that not only were they, were they thankful and encouraged, but their, their hearts were, were provoked. And they're like, you know what? We, we need to be more like what they're talking about here. And they actually, af after the day ended, they asked the church if they would host an ethics class for their cadets moving forward. So, isn't that powerful? Like, they're just like, man, here's a problem. We can complain about it. We can think, well, there's nothing you can do. I mean, this is like entrenched in the culture and, you know, how many years has this been going on? But seven ladies said, you know, we're going to do something. And it planted a seed that began to transform that, the lives and transform their community. That's, where, um, that's the idea, and Bob Moffat talks about seed projects. Where these principles of seeds apply to our individual lives, and also to projects that we do, as, that we're called to do as the church. So really, like our Eisenhower Summer School, this is a seed project for us. This is something similar to these ladies. We're like, you know what? There's, there's 70 kids, in, or 150 kids in this school that have had tra trauma in their background. And you know what? God's changed our lives, and they need help. And, you know, we're just going to come have some volunteers and come alongside the school and make connections and believe God to make a difference. Um, so as we talk, as, as, I, as we go through some of these scriptures this morning, I just want to encourage you to listen to God for what he wants to say to you both individually and any seed projects in your life and also together as a church. So we're going to look at um, a few biblical references to seeds and I think there are four principles here, four lessons that we can take about seeds. 
First one, John 12, 24. Jesus is talking, predicting his death. And he says this. He says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So Jesus describes, and he's describing his own life. He's describing the death that he's going to undertake to bring salvation to us and to the world. And the lesson is that, or the description is a seed falling to the ground and going to the ground. And the lesson is that fruit requires sacrifice. Fruit requires sacrifice. We all want fruit. We all want a harvest. But the way God set it up in the world and especially in his kingdom, is that fruit requires sacrifice. Often, you know, when we think about that, the fruit of our salvation came at the sacrifice of Jesus, giving his life for us. And that was the greatest sacrifice ever, for sure. And really, the greater the fruit that comes from someone's life, there's this correlation, the greater the sacrifice. So you see people that have a lot of fruit in their life, you can be pretty sure there was a high level of sacrifice involved in their life as well. Uh, sacrifice is, is giving up something that you would have used for yourself and instead using it for the benefit of others. Wow, this flies getting me. Another sign of spring and summer here. <laughs> Tacking the flies. But sacrifice, get, taking something that you would like to use for yourself but you, you give it for others instead. And really, you know, this is, this is the way of the kingdom. Um, but a lot of times we're like, you know, hey, if I just had more time, if I just had more money, if I had more resources, you know, if I had, like, everything I wanted or needed, then I would, then I would sacrifice, or, or then I would give to others. But God, he always asks us to take what we have before we have everything that we want or even everything that we need. And to entrust it with him, to, to die to our own self-interest, to let our self-interest and our desire go into the ground and be given for others. And from that comes incredible fruit. You think about the people that have impacted your life the most. I'm pretty sure you could see, like, wow, you know, starting with your mom, likely. Well, there was a lot of sacrifice involved. And from that came real fruit. So fruit requires sacrifice. That's the first one. We're going to go through these pretty quick, I think. Second one, familiar scripture, Matthew 13. Jesus tells this, this parable. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest. Everybody say smallest. It's the smallest of all seeds. But when it's grown, it's larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. So if the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Okay, so this is a, a well-loved parable. Jesus says this, this mustard seed is this tiny little seed. You've got it in your Dijon mustard. There, you see that little seed? It's tiny, but if you plant it, it becomes this tree. It has to, it has to be planted, has to be sown, but if you plant it, it becomes a tree that grows from this tiny beginning into something so much bigger. And, and not only is it big, but the point of that bigness or whatever is that 
it becomes a home, it becomes a place where others can be taken care of, where others can be blessed, where others can find a home. That's what the kingdom of God is like. So the, there's the description, the mustard seed. So the lesson to focus on today is that nothing is too small or insignificant. Nothing is too small or insignificant. That's maybe a good reminder for us today on a day when we've got a lot of people gone and it's summer and it can feel small and insignificant here in this room. Like, man, you know what? Nothing's too small or insignificant. Those seven ladies in Kampala, man, they, it looked small and insignificant. But they did something that produced something so big. Nothing's too small or insignificant to give to God for him to multiply and produce fruit out of. So we may be like, man, I don't want to make the sacrifice that big, but we may be like, man, I just, I don't have much. It's too small. It doesn't seem like what I have is worth doing anything with. <clears throat> but that's how, that's how it works with God. That's how his, his, his word comes to us. It's, it's small. Or the, the gifts he's given to us, they may seem small. But if we sow them, if we trust them to God, then he will do something big through those. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I just, I think God wants us to really encourage us with that today. I know so often I look at my life and it feels like, man, I just, I feel small. I feel like, man, my talents feel real small. My bank account, it feels pretty small. My, sometimes, this isn't true, but sometimes my circle of friends feels pretty small. My church, it can feel small. Manhattan can feel small. It's like, it all can seem so insignificant. But God wants us to see that, man, no, don't think of it like that. Think of it, if you trust me with it, it's, my kingdom is in that. If you will trust me and invest it, I will do something really significant with that. So don't be discouraged. All right. Nothing's too small or insignificant. Um, how you guys doing? All right. Just another uh, lesson here, John 4. Jesus is talking, and he says this, John 4, 37 and 38. For here the saying holds true. One sows, and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. So Jesus is describing the agricultural process of sowing and reaping, and he says it's a team project. A lot of times one person sows the seed, but then another person reaps. The lesson here is that each task is vitally important. Each task is vitally important. It's easy for us to think, like, you know, what I, what I do isn't that important, or like this, this area is more important than that. You know, we all, we all like to harvest. It's not so much fun to plow. But if nobody plows, then there's no harvest. And, you know, so much, anything of significance, it, it, it's like that. A church is sure like that. I mean, even this summer, you know, it's this, or, or this Sunday, it's, man, it, it's great that Zeb and Ian got up early and helped set up this room. And our worship team got up early and practiced singing. And then, you know, whatever tech people figured out our sound issues, like, they did it. I don't know how. But, man, that sure was vitally important because I didn't want to hear myself singing any louder than I was. It's good to, good to hear everybody. Um, you know, for sure, like with, with, with what we're doing at Eisenhower this summer, man, that's so true. Like there's, there's going to be a place for administrative help. There's going to be a place for 
getting kids from the buses into the classroom. There's going to be a kid place for people in the resource room, like just dealing with the most knuckleheaded of these kids and like getting in their life. There's going to be a place to help with tutoring. There's maybe we'll throw a party at the end. There'll be a place for anybody to help throw that party. It's, there's, every task is going to be vitally important to, to pull this off um, and, and everything that we do. And so, um, you know, it's, it's important to see that, that like, okay, God, what's, what's my part on this team? And not to demean that, but to see it as really valuable and really important. One sows, another reaps. Every part matters. All right. Next one. Mark 4. This is, I love this parable. Mark 4, 26 through 29. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should satter, scatter, satter skied, no, scatter seed on the ground. So a man scattering seed. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. I love that. that the, the farmer, like he scatters the seed on the ground. That's his part. But, and that's important. That's got to happen. But then this mysterious process happens, which is incredible. I mean, it's, sometimes it's, it's overnight that there was nothing there, and now there's this sapling four inches tall. It just like sprouted, or in a dandelion's case, it's 14 inches tall. <laughs> and you're like, wait, I, that wasn't there. And now it's sprouted, and it has another two trillion seeds on it. <laughs> like, how, how did that happen? I don't know, but there's God is doing something. Like, beyond what we do, God is at work bringing things about beyond us. How he knows, he knows not. The earth produces fruit, by its, seemingly by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But, so the farmer's like, man, I planted that, and yeah, maybe I need to make sure it's watered and keep the weeds away. But the real process of growth is not something that the farmer does. It's something that God does. When the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So the lesson here is that God is the one who makes the harvest grow. God's the one who makes the harvest grow. Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians 3. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is really anything, but only God who gives the growth. Man, that's so, like, so important for us to, so, so freeing for me to come back to this. And I think about, like, how did, like, I've experienced so much of God's goodness in my life. I am so thankful. I have a friendship with God. And I have covenant friendships with amazing people. And my character has a long ways to go, but it's a lot different than it used to be. Praise God. And, like, I've, I've been changed. And I know God and I have a purpose. And I think about how much of that was due to me? <laughs> Not really. Not really. How much of that was God? Really all of it. There is, a, and all of us that are, have seen God transform our lives to any degree, 
if we're honest, we're like, wow, man, that was, I wasn't even seeking God. But God reached out to me, and people reached out to me, and God has done something in me. Like, what I can have in my life, it's, it's so much beyond what I've done. It's, it's God working from the outside, from the inside, all over. God is the one who brings the growth. So, man, that's, this is probably my, my most favorite of all these, is that knowing that God's the one who makes the harvest grow. And that's true in, in what we do, and it's true in the endeavors that we seek to make a difference with our neighbors and our friends and our community. It's not us, but it's as we put our trust in God that it happens. God's the one who brings the growth. All right, and then one more. 2 Corinthians 6. This is, back to, this is Paul speaking about, about seeds and sowing again. He says this, he says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You say cheerful? Cheerful. Cheerful. God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah. And God's able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So it's talking about, Paul's encouraging them to sow this. He's actually taking up an offering here. He's, he's bringing a collection of money to send to Jerusalem where there was a need because there was a famine. And he's asking people to give generously. But he's saying, hey, sow, sow your money, sow generously, give generously. And as you do that, God's able to make all grace abound to you and do something great with it. He goes on in verse 11, he says, you'll be enriched in every way. So you can be even more generous in every way. Which through us, listen, get this, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So as you're generous, God's going to come through, he's going to supply your needs, and you're gonna, you can be even more generous, and then people will see God's character, people will see what God's like. They will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. So Paul's talking about sowing generously here, and the lesson is that our generosity brings glory to God. When we give of what God's given to us, ultimately it brings glory to God. He provides for us and it brings, it brings him glory. Um, yeah, I know I'm in the right place, because I, I often brag about just our church's generosity. He said, we got a bunch of people that give generously of their time, of their talents, of their resources. I, people are like, man, how do you guys do what you do? It's like, we've got generous people. That's, that's, they are some great people, and they give generously. And it points to God. God is real, and God is powerful, because that's what he does. So... Um, those are some principles there. We're going to circle back around those two in a second. But I just want us to, to think about this, even as just, you know, as, even as we're in the summer, and even like just bringing it home to this Eisenhower thing. Because I, I, I think if we're in the room here today, you may or may not be able to be at the school during the daytime. But this is something that we really feel like God's put on our heart to believe Him for, to plant a seed, and to see what He will do in reaching people with the gospel and making connections in blessing our city. And um, this is a seed project that we're doing as a church. I know there may be other things for you individually to apply from this, but this is something we're going to be doing together over this summer. And I love what 
um, what Coram Deo says about, they, they define this idea of a seed project. A seed project is a small, short-term ministry by believers. It's done with our resources to demonstrate God's love to those outside the faith community. Okay? It's done with our resources by believers, short-term, small, but sowing a seed, seeing what God does in that endeavor. Um, so there are four parts. It's small, it's short-term, so doing it is doable, it's achievable. There are local resources. It demonstrates God's love to people outside the church. And, you know, it may lead to experiencing God come through and growing and even getting confidence for, for bigger activities down the road. You know, I, I think that's what I'm expecting. You know, that we're going to do something this summer and then God's going to build on it and do bigger things down the road. Um, I, so often, I just, I love how this works. I was, I told you a couple weeks, last, last week I talked about how I had been at a conference in Nashville, the, the Turning Point Faith Conference. And I had the privilege of, you know, one of the themes there, just talking about how the gospel needs to impact our culture all over the place. And one of the big encouragements was in the area of education and how it's so important that as believers that we are, uh, we are responsible as families and as churches, that we are taking our God-given responsibility to educate our children and, and raise them up. And one of the, there are a lot of ways that happens, but there are, are a lot of, of Christian schools, and there's this movement of, of Christian schools just sprouting up all over the place, of private schools, of classical schools, of home schools, of homeschool co-ops. I mean, even in Manhattan, it's just, I'm kind of amazed at these new schools I just keep here, that of homeschool co-ops and different types of schools that are starting, of believers are just like, you know what, no, like we, we want, we, we were compelled to, to train our kids and do this with other people, and see what's some negative stuff happening in the school system reverse. Um, and I had the privilege of sitting at a table with these two ladies that Turning Point has this whole um, branch, the Turning Point Academy, where they're providing resources for, for, for these schools all over the country and helping schools start and providing free curriculum, actually. And I was sitting next to these two ladies that, are, that, are on the, that lead this, this, this endeavor, Turning Point Academy. And they were about my age. And so I was getting their story, and one of them was like, yeah, I, I became a Christian after college. I was in Chicago, um, and I just had this sense of like, man, I'm, I, need to, I need to teach my own kids. And one of them was a teacher, and one of them was not, by, by, by training. And this lady, they both just like started homeschooling their kids. And then this one, like, she didn't even know what she was doing, but she started a co-op. And it started a school in Chicago that's been going now for 20 years. And there have just been slews of kids that have gone through the school and been educated just because she was a mom who's like, you know, I need to do something. And I think, I think God's put this on my heart, and I'm going to do it. And she did it. And now this other lady, kind of the same story, and now they're equipping teachers and parents as educators all over the country in an incredible way because they just took that seed and invested it. And God did something big from it. So that's, you know, that's what, that's the way God works. Um, when we look, at, we look at the world, and we look at the problems in the world, it can seem so daunting, right? I mean, I've, I've become more aware in the last, the last couple of years of the evil of the world and systemic injustice and how entrenched evil is in so many parts of society. And 
it's, it's really overwhelming, but it comes down to how do you, how do you, God has called us to, to be the ones who, who bring seeds that bring change in the world. And how does that happen? Well, it's like the old, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Like, just one bite after another after another, and real change happens in little bite-sized chunks like that. Don't think too much about eating an elephant, because I don't know what that, I imagine it being raw. That's not good. But you can cook it. You know, for one bite at a time. How do you take a long journey? You know, one step at a time. One step, and then another, and then another, and then another. And it builds. It's so often we see like, who God uses. It's like the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus told his disciples, hey, you feed the crowd. And the disciples were like, ah, we don't have enough money for that. He said, well, what do you have? Well, uh, there's a boy here. He's got five loaves of bread and two fish. Well, bring those to me. Bring what you got to me. And they brought him to Jesus, and he took it, and he blessed it, and multiplied it, and fed the crowd there. That's what God does with us. He asks, hey, what do you have? All right, bring it to me. Trust me. I'll do something. So um, we're going to take a minute and just, at your tables, um, just talk about this. So basically, two questions. Can you talk about which seed principle is the most encouraging for you today? Is it fruit requires sacrifice? Nothing's too small or insignificant. Each task is equally important. God's the one who brings the harvest. Or our generosity brings glory to God. Which of these is, man, that's, that's what I needed to hear today. That's, that's what I think I need to focus on. That's what is applicable for my life. Um, and then, the next question is, hey, are there any seed ideas germinating in you? Any seed project ideas? germinating in you of how God wants you to take this and run with this as part of a seed project. So we'll take like uh, seven or eight minutes at your table and just talk through, talk through those. And then um, we'll wrap it up. Ready?